no one's going to remember Caster Van Dien as the, as the starring. You get that back. <laughs> the fact that he casted uh, Casper, whatever. That's pretty much what what's his name. Pretty, I mean, Cas whatever. Casper Van Casper Dien. Van yeah. Dien. Yeah, see, I don't even remember his name. And Nobody does. No. He's, he's probably dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no. He he turned up for uh, Starship Trooper Three. Oh, from God. what I hear, <laughs> so that's how his career is going. Why didn't you pull the machines? Why didn't you call them? You didn't see what was going on? Well, there's no way to determine that. Yes, there is. An infallible way. They won. What's well, a casino? People got to win sometimes. Hey, what do you think? I'm a fucking idiot? Probability on one four-wheel machine is a million and a half to one. On three machines in a row, it's in the billions. It cannot happen. Would not happen. You fucking Momo, what's the matter with you? Maybe it was the love of the planets. Maybe it was just my growing dislike for this one. But for as long as I can remember, I have dreamed of going into space. Now that I've met you... Would you object to never seeing me again? The biggest regret of my life, I let my love go. That price on my head, was that dead or alive? Don't remember. Let's see if he starts shooting. I don't ask you over for dinner and then suggest you give a lecture on the peoples of Mesoamerica or whatever your pre-Columbian shit is. This is my job. This is how I pay the fucking rent. The same gentleman that told me that you tried to get your broker's license also told me that you were a straight arrow. He ran a security check on me. Well... Sail on a boat fit for a Bond villain. Sometimes you need to play the part, right? First of all, dude, you don't have an ex. Secondly, this is a fucking show dog with fucking papers. You can't board it. It gets upset. Its hair falls out. Walter. Fucking dog has fucking papers. Over the line! Huh? I'm sorry, Smokey. You were over the line. That's a foul. What happened? Did your your balls drop off? Hey guys, welcome into episode 16 of Film Tank. On this week's episode, we'll be discussing the classic movie Starship Troopers. I, I don't know if I'd call it a classic. Classic. Some well, pe- some people would. Some people on this panel may. Uh, the 1997 Paul Verhoeven film will be uh, discussed uh, later on in the podcast. On today's episode, we have Nick Cheney here. I'm doing my part. Okay, and uh, Tucson Egan. I'm ready to fight. Okay, and Kenny Marcellus also. My name is Kenny Marcellus. Yeah, All Kenny, right. What the fuck? Would you like to know more? Oh, oh, he did it. He did it. That son of a bitch. Yeah. You're going to have to wait like two more months to get another clever <laughs> intro out it, of it. Me. Was, it was worth it. All right, cool. Yeah. Well, if you do it wrong, I'll just fucking kill you. So that's, <laughs> that's all that's going to happen. You sound like one of the generals in this movie. That's what I was going for there. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, okay. So we all had some sort of line right. taken I totally from Starship Troopers. I totally got it. Okay. At first, I didn't, but the minute I started to say it, I'm like, oh, maybe it was intentional. Okay, that's fine. We'll just, we'll just pretend you didn't say that. Uh, so, guys, uh, what, have we been, uh, what have we been doing this week? Let's get a week in review, I guess, from everybody and uh, see what everyone's been viewing. This week. I know, Nick, you... Uh, you had a bachelor party to go to last weekend, so I'm not expecting big things from you. No, we, uh, for some weird reason, didn't watch any movies. It was, wasn't, I, wasn't my choice, <laughs> but uh, I, I put up with for, it. For some weird reason. <laughs> um, but after the bachelor party, I did get a chance to watch two movies that I wanted to briefly mention. One was a rewatch. Uh, I have not seen this movie since I was a child, but I rewatched the movie Gremlins. 
uh, yeah, since then. And I remember as a child, it scared the hell out of me because it's not a child's film, and yet it it's kind of subtly marketed towards it. Yeah, it's like the Ernest movies. <clears throat> yeah, they're for children, but I was like fucking scared out of my mind. That Halloween one. Oh, that that, that, that <laughs> fuck that. The one. final like twenty minutes that Halloween Ernest movie scared the shit out of me. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so. Rewatching it though, I gotta say that that that's what makes it great. Like the fact that it's subtly, I would say, aimed at kids, especially like the first hour, where or maybe first forty minutes or so, where it it just starts like a children's fable because you have the narrator saying like, "I got a story to tell," and you know, going through all these uh, rules and obviously what the gizmo can and cannot do and whatever. Um, and so that's what just makes it all the more terrifying once <laughs> they actually turn into gremlins. But I think what kind of surprised me the most because I genuinely just did not remember pretty much everything from the movie was that the gremlins themselves don't actually turn into, like, monsters. They just turn into, like, asshole vermin. Like, they're, they're way more concerned with just pissing people off than actually, like, uh, like killing them or whatever. So, like, I just kind of, uh, I don't know, I just, I ate that entire uh, last half of the movie up where they just turn into these ridiculous, like, frat boys, like, setting the, the old lady's uh, wheelchair staircase thing, like, to just go as fast as they can. And the whole scene when they were, like, just all getting drunk in the bar, like, little things like that. Where, Watching like, Snow White. Yeah, like, well, they're not, like, wreaking havoc. They're just trying to have a good time. That's about <laughs> all I remember from the Gremlins is yeah. at a certain point in the movie, they just become little assholes. Yes. Yeah. Just little bastards running around doing everything to piss anybody off, getting drunk, like you said. Yep. Although that scene's hilarious. Yeah, no, it's... Like <laughs> laying on the bar... Dr- Drinking out of the tap. <laughs> yeah. And then there, there's also just a few lines that just really caught me off guard because they're just hilarious. Like, I love when the deputy and the sheriff are, like, arguing while they w- walked off screen. So it's not even, like, a big joke. But all of a sudden you hear the deputy say, I want to drive. Why do you always get to drive? And, like, because I'm a sheriff, asshole. Like, it just, it's just <laughs> random because, you, yeah, once again, it, like, it starts off as this children's film and then it just turns into something much, much better. Now, how has that movie aged? <laughs> Actually, it, I thought it was – what's good about it is that I feel like even when it came out – because that was 1984, I think, or 85, yeah. one mm-hmm. of the two. Um, but even when it came out, I feel like it was actually kind of aged already because it kind of reminded me of these, like, Douglas Cirque melodrama, like, Anytown USA type thing, like, the snowy landscape on, like, a Central Park type stuff. So, yeah. if anything, it's, like, it, it aged very well because it was already trying to capture this old-timey feel. That's why Gizmo is always watching, like, black-and-white films, and yeah. when the Gremlins, of course, go to the movie theater, they're playing Snow White in the right. theater, not a contemporary movie. So, I think it's aged actually very well. So, if anybody hasn't seen it in a while, I highly recommend rewatching it. I'll have to it. revisit that. I love that Gizmo is uh, voiced by Howie <laughs> Mandel. Yeah. <laughs> In the in the in the commentary track, he actually uh, one of the first things he says is, "Yeah, it was actually really tough getting into that suit every day." <laughs> Classic Howie. Howie Mandel is weird because he is like a hardcore germphobe. So yeah. I could see him being weirded out by getting in a suit that someone else may have been in at some point. It's true, so. but luckily he didn't have to get into a suit. Yeah, it was a total joke. That's yeah, like, the, joke, get, the like, joke is that Gizmo is this big. He's a puppet. <laughs> it's okay, Alex. Yeah, but that was the joke. Nick, set, did you, uh, <laughs> as a kid, did you own a Furby? You strike me as a, yes, you strike me I as did. a Furby. <laughs> and that's when all of a sudden, I feel like the Furby is the kind of thing that like I loved it at first, and then I started to realize the similarities between Furby and uh, Gizmo, and so I fucking hated it uh, by the <laughs> by the end of its tenure. But uh, didn't the Furbies? Couldn't you like teach them to say shit? Oh like, yeah. It was, pick up on things you and, could teach it to say things and then it would just say other things like feed me and yeah like, <laughs> that yeah. was really creepy yeah it was yeah. just like the movie creepy. yeah so uh, now i'm gonna have to rewatch it 
You should. It's very good. I'm definitely going to seek out the sequel, so I'm sure I'm in one of the next conversations. <laughs> <Gremlins> I will. <laughs> yeah, I've no, I've heard from people that it's actually like a modern, like it's a masterpiece. If you, oh, whoa. what? <laughs> Hold on, though. I'm sorry. Just what throwing a masterpiece term out there, pretty. I'm loosely. not saying I am. I'm saying other people have yeah. cited it as such uh, retroactively because they're saying that like its anarchic spirit is probably the only thing that comes closest to like a Looney Tunes live adaptation, which is also why Chuck Jones himself uh, actually gave original cartoons both for the for the bookends of the sequel. So oh. yeah. So anyway, I'm I'm very eager whether you guys are not, I'm very eager to seek it out. I'm not. What was the uh, other uh <laughs> you call, Well, thanks for adding that. Dick. Remember, Gizmo is only like 2 inches <laughs> off the ground. Uh the other movie I watched was uh <laughs> called Hot Girls Wanted and it was a documentary. It just premiered this year um at Sundance and then Netflix picked up like the sole distribution rights uh kind of weirdly enough. So that's kind of why it, kind of why I was interested in watching it. Also cuz I wanted to see the subject matter to see if anybody could actually do it like justice, but um it's uh it's a documentary for those who don't know about the amateur uh pornography circuit and just kind of like how these girls from obviously the age of like 18 to about 21 cuz after that unfortunately they don't want them anymore. And um and how they kind of get roped into doing this via like very uh uh, shall I say, like predatory, like Craigslist ads and mm. such, and um, just kind of like what they go through and all that. And I gotta say, after watching it, I thought it was awful. It's probably the worst film I've seen all year. Ooh. Worse than Chappie, I know. <laughs> I put it at, uh, at dead last. And that's because I thought it was just so, like the first half hour was just so offensively banal. Like it's just so boring, and it, it, it never felt any like different than like an MTV true life like skit or something you oh, know God. yeah like it was just so ridiculous um but then the more it went on the more it started to try to make a point and then it's not even that I disagree with the point that it's making but it's it's like Bill Maher just because you shout something that I agree with doesn't mean that it's actually effective in what you're saying and that I actually think that he's doing anything important or great. Yeah. So um, so by the end of it, I just started to hate it. And then, especially in the last 10 minutes, which I won't necessarily spoil for people who haven't seen it, but let's just say they, the, the filmmakers try to frame uh, this entire journey of their film as some kind of like redemption for one of its characters that I felt was like needlessly condescending. And um, yeah, it was just very biased and who it would interview and who it wouldn't and it was just very uh, porn negative and I just I thought it was awful it, uh, and yet I could and the big presiding feeling that I got while watching it was that these filmmakers thought that they were doing something huge and important which just made it all the more unbearable sounds like 90% of the documentaries get made these days <laughs> That's, that is true I'm, I'm kind of picky when it comes to documentaries but um, only in the rarest cases do I care when a documentary like I would say picked a side like when I watched Jesus Camp uh, last year for the first time which was that one about the uh, very I forget which sect it is or anything like that, but about the very, very, uh, I don't even know what the word, because it's fucked up. It's very yeah. fucked up, that's the uh, word. But, you know, very overly religious, uh, uh, these literally camps that, like, predator, uh, prey on children to, like, uh, kind of recruit them to become their next, like, you know, disciple or whatever. Emotionally groom them. Um, but, like, that movie never really did anything other than just interview the parents and the children. So you're only hearing their side of it. And yet that's also what made that movie effective because when you hear it from them, it's just as fucked up. So, like, there, there's only a few times when you should only interview one side because um, – yeah, in a movie like this, at least, uh, so, this documentary, Hot Girls the, Wanted. The uh, Jesus Camp uh, yeah. documentary that you're mentioning, 
uh, I hate to bring up uh, the movie we were talking about, but that sounds like the, the Starship Troopers kind of plan yeah. where let's show you what this actually would be like yeah. and then not show you anything there, else from it. And Not yeah. to go off on a tangent, but I'll just say this really quickly. There's a scene in Jesus Camp that is honestly scarier than any horror film I've ever seen, and it's where a woman comes in. It's all it's a huge church. Children just sitting down on like you know uh, from side to side on all the pews, and um, comes in and they start passing something out. You can't really see what it is. I, I forget. And all of a sudden, um, the woman then of course holds up hers too, and then she said. These are all your brothers and sisters that were killed because they got aborted, uh, and like all like all these children, like half of them start crying. I mean, because they don't know what you know, whatever. And but like, so this was just one night of camp where they were these literally five, six, seven year olds were being taught what abortion is, and of course that their brothers and sisters. It's a good age to. Uh, that's a good age to make yeah. uh, a child's decision yeah. for their entire lives. Exactly. That was just Thursday. Like that. It, yeah. Friday night. Yeah. It literally cut to one girl saying, "I just can't believe." somebody would kill my sister yeah. and i'm like oh my Jesus. goodness so yeah no yeah this this definitely exists so i guess just to segue off of hot girls wanted if you want to see a good documentary watch jesus camp because <laughs> that is actually a good one is jesus camp on netflix it was the last time i watched it so, okay. so there's a distinct possibility okay hot so, girls wanted sounds like uh bachelor party material to me i don't know <laughs> Oh, God. No. That's oh, a lovely segue to Toussaint. So, uh, Toussaint, uh, give us the uh, rundown. Did you do any movie challenges this week? Or Actually, anything? no, I didn't do any movie challenges did your this friend, week. Did your friend finish yeah. her Blade yeah, Runner challenge? She did. She did? Yes, yeah, she did. So did you guys compare notes? Yes, we did. Anyway. That, how'd, how'd that go? Anyway. No, 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 no. How'd that go? Anyway, it went no, no. well. It went awesome. We need no. We need more information. <laughs> no, you don't. Yes, anyway, do. shut up. Wow. I'm going to the films that I actually watched this past week. All right. I just so, want to say before you start, <laughs> Jesus Camp is on Netflix. All right, very here we go. Okay, so uh, last Friday, and this is just setting the scene. I had a terrible fucking splitting headache, and I was just like, I need to put something on that I can just watch, and I just don't have to think, and I can just watch it. Okay, and for some Interstellar. Re- no, and, and for some reason that film <laughs> turned out to be uh, Bronson starting <laughs> starring Tom Hardy, and like I was I wasn't thinking I was just like oh I was like I heard he like plays as like one of Britain's most like violent inmates whatever like maybe he I'll never watch. kills anybody in he the never, whole movie he never cl- kills anybody in the whole movie and I was like oh I was like I wonder if this is gonna be like really violent if we're gonna show somebody like getting killed and then like the title screen like opens with a film by Nicholas Winding Refn I was like oh. Fuck. Well, I'm already in this already. I actually really enjoyed it. It's pretty insane to see how much of a transformation uh, Tom Hardy has made in recent years. Um, if, if you guys didn't didn't know this already, he actually was like a it, for, for a time like in his early 20s, he was actually like a crack addict. Yeah, yeah. It was like I yeah. Those MySpace pictures are I know I a saw, sight to behold. I saw Have those you guys seen over this? The <laughs> oh man. Oh just Google Tom Hardy MySpace pics, and uh, he used to be quite the. Uh, he was that guy who used to do like he's such he's, a meathead. He's in his underwear, and he's got like his hand down his underwear, like <laughs> yeah. just staring at the camera, like oh, it's great. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I'm cooking <laughs> a turkey, yo. Crack he would be in or, my top eight for sure. Crack addict or no crack addict, I could see Tom Hardy doing that. He yeah. looks like the kind of ham person that would do that kind of shit. Mm. There is this uh, this one scene in the film. Have you guys seen it yet, Bronson? I've seen it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. there's this one scene in the film. Where uh, it, it's later on, and he like kidnaps a librarian into his like cell, and not he the try- librarian. 
he, he tries to like make a make a ransom thing where he's just like I I want to be given everything that I want and the the warden's just like what do you want? It's like well I don't know and then he just like hangs up. He's like, okay, well, they're coming now. So he, like, takes off all of his clothes and gets a tinfoil thing filled with butter. And he orders the librarian to, like, wipe him down with butter so that when he fights the, the, the fucking guards that he can just slip out. And it is the most hilarious. You're laughing, t- but as somebody who works in a library, I've had that <laughs> No, no, before. no. It's the most <laughs> hilarious and terrifying scene I've seen Also, I have memory. a serious question really quick. If he makes a ransom, does that mean it's a Branson ransom? <laughs> I guess so. A Branson ransom? Oh, a bra- Bronson. A bra- oh, Bronson. A bra- Damn it. A Bronson. I thought it was called, I forgot. Already. No, I, I got it. I got the joke. No, it wasn't a joke because obviously I messed up. My uh, my favorite, and I don't know how realistic the entirety of the movie was, um, but my favorite part is he's serving like something like 14 consecutive life sentences, mm-hmm. and he is being shipped from prison to prison because they literally can't figure out what to do with him because he's causing so much havoc. Yeah. And... The one day they just are like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to release him and he's not going to be our problem anymore. So he just walks out and goes home, goes back to his parents' house. I'm just like, yeah. is this fucking really happening? <laughs> yeah, it really happened. Um, so I really enjoyed that. I yeah. thought that was really cool and I didn't know it was um, directed by Refn before, but I can totally see it now. Um, I also watched my, my other film that I watched for the first time that I've always been meaning to watch is um, – Luke Besson's Leon the Professional. Okay. Yeah. Great movie. And it is an absolutely great movie. Uh, Natalie Portman in that film. That was her first role, I think. Yeah. She was uh, terrific, and it was also really creepy. Yeah, well, here's my question really quick. Did you, you watched it on Netflix? I watched it on Netflix. Do you know if it was the international version? I, I looked up what you're what you're talking about. No, it wasn't the international oh, yeah. version. Me yeah. and Alex watched the international version uh, sometime Man. last year yeah. or so. And yeah, there's even more creepiness. Yeah, I know. It's just like, uh... But yeah. I, that's actually that's one of my favorite parts of that movie because it's creepy because of what we've been obviously like told as a society is mm-hmm. creepy. But in reality, like it's not like he was ever... I would say he like, never made like perpetuating anything. Yeah. And so that's, and also as a very lonely person, like, I don't know, there's just something that's both simultaneously creepy and yet like affecting about I would, I would, friendship. It's funny. We just bring up Tom Hardy. I would compare his character a lot to Tom Hardy's character in the drop where he, I've always felt like, yes, like he yes. is like not all there, yeah. but he is doing what he can do. So I feel like he like is having this, uh, as we watched the film, having this bizarre relationship with a child, right. but to him, it doesn't seem bizarre at all. Yeah, and he's, although, not, he's yeah. not doing anything necessarily, if I remember correctly, throughout the entire movie to make it seem like he's trying to like force her to sleep with him or something. No, because the, like there's scenes literally. I don't know if it's just in the international or the regular version, but there's scenes where she tries to do something like that, yeah. and of course he stops and he's like, "No, this is weird." So, yeah, this is like, really He up. sees it as what it is too, but he's also kind of, I would say, like flattered in a way that like no other human being has like showed him uh, affection before. Although, just to make it creepy again, uh, apparently <laughs> uh, Luke Besson's girlfriend hang around or hung around the set during mm-hmm. the filming of it, and she was probably like 16 or 15. So apparently that was something. That just kind of floated around in his mind. No, that's Man. weird. That's yeah. that's really creepy. So maybe you can't watch the, the movie the same way again. But I can watch it uh, at least one way because I love Gary Oldman in that film. He is. I, I was just about to say, like his role in that film, I feel like is so good that it deserves to stand alongside uh, Heath Ledger's portrayal of the Joker as a villain, because I just think he was a really fucking good villain. The right? the good uh, comparison about that is he's not, like, overly, 
like screen timed in the movie. No. He, he's in the movie for probably like twenty percent of it or something like that. But he's such a, a an imposing figure. Yeah. Like when he actually enters into uh, Matilda's apartment for the first time, when he's trying to like shake down like the father for the for the coke, and he just like takes everybody out. He just yeah. doesn't give a fuck. And I was like, only wow. Gary Oldman can literally make going through like a uh, a beaded door actually look menacing. Yeah. Yeah, his character in Leon the Professional and his character in Air Force One are like how I always think of Gary Oldman. So now, now when he's in like shit movies like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, I'm like, what happened for this Mickey Mouse bullshit? Yeah, uh, what happened to you? Because now he's so mild in every movie. It's just almost like, oh no, he's old. Everybody gets old, man. I guess so, especially with a name like Gary He's Oldman. A, oh, I made you do you it. You made my joke, yeah. you son of a bitch. <laughs> so, Kenny, uh, you said you caught some this movie. Uh, you caught something this week. What did you, uh, what'd you watch? <laughs> what did you catch? I, I, uh, <laughs> I actually did watch a movie this week. For the first time in like three weeks, I can return hey, to this segment. Good for um, you. I watched Judd Apatow's This Is 40 for the first time. I had not and, seen uh, that movie. He, that's a sequel, right? To uh, this is the you know what? I'm not sure. It gets kind of confused. Well, no, I, like, I see what you did there. Uh, <laughs> it, it's a sequel know, it's to loosely, one of his other movies, but it's also like within the canon of another one of his movies. Really? Why? What other one? Um, I believe it's got some sort of tie to "I Love You, Man." Oh, I, mm. didn't, I didn't never knew about that. Where Jason? Well, Siegel's that's not even his movie, though. Like he just produced in. that. Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann are playing the same characters. From yeah, Knocked and also Up, Jason right? Segal was in Knocked Up, so I'm guessing right. it's the same it's character. It's the sort it's, of sequel to Knocked Up. Definitely, yeah. yeah. It's definitely tied to that, but I thought there was some other tie. But, yeah. anyway. but, they're, but they're the same characters, though, right? right. Is that correct? Right, yes. Okay. It's, it's, it's a, and it's same a weird... daughters, too. Hmm. Cool. We don't have to talk about that. Oh, <laughs> Sorry. Well, I mean, it's... we've talked. We talked about the uh, the Apatow thing on the Anchorman episode. How I was not a fan of him oh, for, forcing the daughters. Up. Well, I didn't mean oh, to push okay. a sensitive button. Oh well, you did. You pushed a very sensitive <laughs> button. I'll, I'll say this: like, have you seen this as forty? No. His daughters are fucking hilarious. Like, okay. they are hysterical. I follow uh, Maud Apatow on Twitter, and she is very funny. Hmm. I have to admit, uh, they they definitely take after their mom. I mean, I think she's funny as hell, Leslie Mann. I think she's awesomely funny and the kids just follow in her footprints but this this was a uh hilariously depressing movie and i was warned before watching it that it was going to be depressing um but i didn't really believe much of it um uh, like it it's hysterical there's just a lot of really good judd apatow humor throughout it a lot of dirty raunchy topics come up but it definitely takes a, a, a real depressing, real turn towards, you know, somewhere somewhere towards the middle to three-quarter point where it definitely starts to showcase that whole midlife crisis kind of situation and how it plays out and how you start going through a lot of issues within a marriage with kids and, and losing your identity as a, as a person. And, and Paul Rudd definitely... He's he's so blunt and in like matter of fact in this movie. He he cracks me up. I love Paul Rudd in general, but I this is one of my favorite movies that I've seen him in now at this point. Um I I don't know. And and there were just there were so many other people. I I Alex, you're not a big fan of Melissa McCarthy, I know this. But she's she's hilarious as usual. If if you like her, how she's, how how, uh, how much screen time does he have in the movie? Oh, she's not. She's just like uh, she could be funny though. Yeah, she's she's very very minimal. She's one of the kids 
friend's mother, so she just has a, a, a very minor part. She's like Zach Galifianakis. If if they're in it for like ten minutes, fine. Yeah, that's your opinion. When the, when they're the main <laughs> character, I literally want to not see that movie. But he's gonna go see Entourage this weekend. <laughs> Damn. Well, he's not in Entourage or Zach Galifianakis, actually, to my knowledge. They are. They, they are in it? No, they're okay. not. They actually might be. I don't know. I wouldn't surprise me. But yeah. I you don't know, know, I got to say, though, Spy is getting good reviews, like, unanimously. Spy has been getting good reviews for, like, three months, and I have never gotten Oh, uh, I didn't know for three months, but I've always been seeing the embargo was lifted, like, this past week, I thought. But anyway, I was just surprised at because her last one kind of flopped. Yeah. Going back to you, Kenny, though. <laughs> Sorry, we've gotten thanks, a little, thanks, little yes. off topic. Well, we've gotten a little off topic here uh, of you talking about this as 40. So a lot of people were not fans of that movie. And, and what, what did you think about it, though, in a general I sense? It. I yeah? loved it, to be honest with you. On uh, IMDb, I actually, I don't remember, I gave it an 8 or a 9. Oh. Like, I really enjoyed it, not only because it was very real and it had a good, like, solid story to it, but it was fucking hilarious. Like, I was laughing really hard at, at a lot of different points. And I kind of, for whatever reason, pushed this movie off over the last couple of years. I just never really had an interest in it. And then I heard a, um, a a taped, obviously, interview with Judd Apatow a few days ago, and it kind of inspired me to go check it out. I was looking for Starship Troopers to rent at the at the movie place the other day, and This Is 40 was right there. And, uh, yeah, I just... Uh, I, I, couldn't pass up on it and uh definitely now, glad i watched it now do you think there is humor in this is 40 and i haven't seen it so i have i'm just that's why i'm asking but i honestly have no idea um that makes that film aimed more towards people who are in their 30s and are married with children or or is it something where because I, I think that was uh an issue that i thought maybe was with people giving their ratings that a lot of people went and saw this film who were in their early to mid-20s who were right. married, who don't have children, and if, honestly, it, they're, they're just not able to connect with the story. If you're going into this movie as a young adult who's not married, or maybe you're freshly married and haven't been married for a period of time, it, like I could totally relate in a lot of points in this movie because you know I've been married for a while now. like It's coming up on five years this, this summer, and we've been together for coming up on... Jesus, I don't know, it's like 12 or 13 years. It's been a long time. And so we've gone through those kind of issues, and it's it's definitely relatable when you see them going through these struggles. I mean, I don't have kids, so I don't know what that's like, but I can only imagine. I don't have kids yet because I I, I don't want to imagine it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I could totally see where maybe it's not a relatable thing to younger adults or teenagers who go into this and they, they see the names on the on the marquee and and they're just like oh this is going to be hilarious and and it's it's very real and that ultimately that's what ended up getting the the better score from me was that it was a very just genuine true story basically and i i just like i said it got depressing at moments because it's like jesus christ this is either me or it's gonna be me in like (laughs) 10 years real right now yeah seriously sounds like sounds like funny people almost you know what yes um Yes and no, because funny people, I, I actually didn't like funny people at all. And a lot I, of people didn't. And I actually, it's one of the rare movies I didn't even finish watching. Like, I just Ooh. I just stopped watching it. Like, that's how unimpressed I was with it. That being said, I, I could have just been in a, a funky mood or something. I, I, it's because of Adam Sandler. <laughs> Why? <laughs> well, no, I just meant like he's, Adam Sandler. he's not bad at it. No, he, he he's certainly not the the biggest problem with that movie, no. for sure. No, that movie to me was... A, I 
that movie is very it's a huge mess because like the last like 50 minutes or so is like almost a whole other movie that yeah it doesn't need to exist and i say that as someone who actually likes the movie itself but well I, I very unfairly stopped watching it and haven't gone back to it because it was and i'll be honest it was uh one of those i was expecting something else i guess and i'll, I didn't I'll say get... this much funny people and this is 40 have kind of come under fire for the same criticism from what i've heard which is that it was just a vanity project for judd apatow and specifically this is 40 where he used his own daughters and wife in the role and it seemed like he was making a movie that was only about him and for nobody else type i haven't seen it so i can't comment well, on whether I'll, i mean i'll say that. this after seeing it you know what whatever let him do yeah. it if he wants to do it he did a good job with it right. they filled the roles very nicely they did a, a, a great job and had they put other people in i don't know in his interview, he talked about how he drew so much of this story from real personal yeah. you know, experiences with his family. So I don't know, had he put other actors and actresses in these roles, that it would have came out the same way. But other than that, I mean, it just it had that hilarious Australian dude from Bridesmaids. I don't know if you remember yeah. him. Chris, Chris O'Dowd. Chris O'Dowd. I haven't seen him in anything for he's, a while. Uh, he's Scottish, I think. Oh, is he Scottish? Scottish. In real life, like well, he's uh, or Scottish or Irish, maybe Irish. Well, fuck me. He plays, he was in, <laughs> plays English characters pretty regularly. Right. Well, I think. he was from a British sitcom, uh, yeah. The IT Crowd, which is very good. That dude is hilarious. He's and been popping up more and more. Uh, he was played a very minor character in the uh, second Thor movie. If you, really? if you want Didn't to see, see him on screen, did not see it. He was in the movie for about three and a half minutes. So, <laughs> this is forty. Also had Megan Fox, which was. <laughs> Probably like her best acting that I've ever seen her in, which isn't saying anything at all, but holy crap. Better than the Transformers movie. Wow. Or so, movie, I should say. She was, or was she in one or she two? Was in, she was in two. First two of them, two. That's right. I, I forget because like they all kind of seem like the same movie. I like to forget the second one. In fact, I'd like to forget the entire franchise. Well, anyway, to, just to wrap it up, I would strongly recommend it, but I mean, don't, you know, don't go into it expecting a, anything more than just. It's very funny because it's relatable. If you're not married with kids, maybe you're not going to find the, the humor in it. So This is not um, Apatow in terms of how much you liked it, like his sort of famous time where like knocked up and super bad and right. 40-year-old version were coming out. You, you didn't think it was Anchorman that good? And, well, yeah. no, but it's, it's different humor. It's very relatable, very real. This was a... a a, a, a better movie in some ways, in like if if you're looking at other aspects other than comedy, this was better than those. Hmm. I thought. Okay. But as I, a comedy, no, it's not. You know, it's not his best work. By I'm any means. really looking forward to the Amy Schumer Jadabatow movie that's coming out later this Me too. year. Uh huh. So we'll see. Her show is one of the best things on TV right now. I'm I'm really looking, and Bill Hader <laughs> is the main male character in that film, and I love Bill Hader so. I'm looking forward to can for the life of me remember what the movie's called right now. Trainwreck. Oh, there you go. That's it. Yeah, looking forward to it. <laughs> so this week, uh, I watched a couple uh, movies over the weekend. Um, the Giver was a movie that uh, my wife uh, actually wanted to see with Kenny's wife. Uh, they had both read the book and wanted to see the movie in theaters. Oh, I was going to say, why does that sound so familiar? I've read the book. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, the book was actually written quite a long time ago, like in the neighborhood of like 30 years ago mm -hmm. or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and it, it basically is in this society, which is almost like, if you want to think of M. Night Shyamalan's The Village, they Ugh. have, they have, 
It's a utopian society where they've pretty much uh, perfected in chemically repressing their emotions. Yes. Uh, but and memories. The, the interesting part of this movie for me, and I, it wasn't a huge fan. I think I gave it two and a half out of five. It, yeah. it was an okay movie. Um, the interesting part of this movie for me is they, they really never reveal that, uh, you know, what, what is happening outside the society until the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was interesting to me and I won't spoil exactly how it happens, but, um, the big problem with me was the last 30 minutes of this movie, which, uh, according to my wife, who has read the book completely eschews from the book oh. and, uh, has a Lord of the Rings roaming moment for about 30 straight minutes. Um, that nobody really wants to see, I don't think. So that was weird. Uh, that is weird. I will say, though, that um, there are a lot of great moments early on uh, in the film, sort of world-building, and also between the main character, who I can't for life of me remember his uh, the actor's name, um, and uh, the, the character of The Giver, played by Jeff Bridges. Who, like, Jeff Bridges had been trying to make this film. This was for, a passion project for this him. This was a passion project. He tried to make it for many, many years, I think maybe maybe like a decade, and he actually originally wanted his father to play the role of the giver, but I think that his father passed away, so he... Lloyd Bridges? Yeah. Playing the giver? I couldn't see it, man. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, he, he, he's, he's, he looks good for the role. I haven't seen the film, but like I could totally see him in that role. He was, for me, the best part of the movie by a landslide. Yeah. Um, there was a really random uh, sighting in this movie for me as Katie Holmes plays... The, uh, the receivers, who's the main character, his mother figure is played by Katie Holmes, and she has to play this like stoic figure who doesn't have any emotions whatsoever and is always trying to like hold. So it's perfect for her. Yeah. I was going to yeah. say. Yeah. 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 Oh, <laughs> she's used to it. <laughs> it. It is, but it's fucking Katie Holmes playing that. And I, I just feel like I haven't. I can't remember a movie that she's been in of note since Batman Begins. So. Yeah, she's had a lot of things go on in, in that, in that yeah. period of time. That, yeah. whole, that whole Tom Cruise thing yeah. wasn't the best moment. She's still recovering. Yeah, yeah well, it might be a, a, a little while longer for her. And also Meryl Streep is in this movie for some reason. Um, I, I don't know why, but she was there. Apparently her character was not in the book. Uh, so that was weird. Well, she probably said, I want to be in it. Like, oh, Meryl, we casted everything. Already. I don't care. <laughs> I'm Meryl Streep. That's that how she talks, too? Yeah. I'm Meryl Streep. Oh, I'm Meryl Streep. Sound like uh, Dana Carvey doing an impression of uh, Janet Reno or something like that. <laughs> so, yeah, The uh, the Giver, okay, but I wouldn't uh, recommend it highly. Another movie I saw that was just okay was uh, last year's The Gambler, starring Mark Wahlberg. Um, Mark Wahlberg lost 40 pounds to play the lead character in this role. For some reason, I can't figure it out. This isn't a like Christian Bale in the Machinist thing where he's going for someone who has not slept for a year, or Christian Bale in the Fighter. <laughs> That's true. Who's a really hero- Christian Bale in any movie? Oh, Christian Bale. He just you know he's a real actor. Okay, he he does things for, right. for a living. I have a question. Did in the Gambler did they play the Kenny Rogers song at any point? Uh, they may have. I'm not sure. So that would be a wasted of opportunity. <laughs> um, the or Gam- Christian Bale in American Hustle. What about it? <laughs> no, he gets fat. I'm saying he does ballot by He does. He does have a belly. Yeah. yeah. It's real, too. Yeah. Uh, in The Gambler, <laughs> though... Um, I was trying to remember the name. I'm sorry. Mark Wahlberg plays this really bizarre gambling addict who is also a professor at a prestigious university, and he has hmm. a gambling problem. Um, we see his 
I think it's his grandfather dying. Uh, his grandfather, who was played by somebody who I did not know was still alive, which is George Kennedy. Mm. I he's got to be ninety. I couldn't believe he was, but he has a very minor role. He dies in the beginning, and then he goes off on this tangent, pretty much of of betting and throwing money away and whatever. He has a gambling debt that he has to pay to two different people in this movie, surprisingly. What? One of which is John Goodman, who was the huh? best part of the movie. Weird. As, yeah. Um, the, the also weird thing is he has this odd relationship with one of his students, since he is a professor, with uh, Brie Larson, who I didn't see coming in this movie, but she was uh, the main character. And of course, as any uh, student-teacher relationship, they, they end up having a sexual relationship on the side. With any student-teacher relationship? <laughs> what it, school did you yeah, go holy to? Jesus, <laughs> fuck, man. I, I, I meant to say I, in movies, I guess. I get it, yeah. Usually, that, that's where that leads. Um, so it, I gotta it, go back to school. Man. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very okay movie. I, I, I didn't like the story of the movie per se. It doesn't really have a great story. There are some great moments with Mark Wahlberg, especially when he's giving lectures when it's Mark Wahlberg giving a lecture in a college class. So you can like expect <laughs> he so about much. How he stopped, how he could have stopped nine 11 if he was on that plane. <laughs> Did you say that? He said that in real life. Yeah. <laughs> oh in my God. Interview, he said, if he was on that plane, nine 11 wouldn't have happened. Basically. Sure. Yeah. And Seth MacFarlane would have stopped the other one. That's too, right. right. Cause Did he, he was, now he was. They were supposed to be on differing planes. Oh. They were uh, one of the four that that uh, end up uh, crashing nine eleven. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Always those guys, though. Th- those two. Yeah, they're they're bros for life now. Ted too. They're on the it's Ted coming train. out. Yeah. Can't wait. There you go. So yeah, yeah it, the gambler. I, I'm not going to talk too much about it at all because it's just an okay movie that I, I wouldn't really recommend that much. <laughs> So that was a uh, a fun weekend review, I think. Uh, I don't think we're going to have a weekend review for a while, and we'll talk more about uh, upcoming plans for uh, the show uh, coming up a little bit. But that's uh, probably our last weekend review for a little while, at least. So, out of the ashes of Buenos Aires comes first sorrow, then anger. The only good bug is a dead bug. In Geneva, the Federal Council convenes. We must meet the threat with our valor. Our blood, indeed, with our very lives, to ensure that human civilization, not insect, dominates this galaxy now and always. Sky Marshal Deans announces plans for an offensive against Clandathlete, source of the bug meteor that destroyed Buenos Aires. Would you like to know more? We now break net and take you live to Fleet Battle Station Ticonderoga, deep inside the arachnid quarantine zone, where the men and women of the Federal Armed Services prepare to attack. DXQ uplink on two, one, you're on. No one here in the AQZ knows exactly when the invasion of Plandathu will occur, but everyone's talking about it, and the talk says tomorrow. Here's a bunch of MI kids that look like they could eat bugs for lunch. (laughs) Yum, yum, yum. So, Trooper, you're not too worried about fighting the arachnids? Hey, shoot a nuke down a bug hole, you got a lot of dead bugs, I just right? hope it's not over before we get some. <laughs> some say the bugs were provoked by the intrusion of humans into their natural habitat, that a live and let live policy is preferable to war with the bugs. Let me tell you something. I'm from Buenos Aires, and I say kill them all! Yeah! Oh, yeah! Yeah! We're uh, going to talk about Starship Troopers, the 1997 Paul Verhoeven uh, film that uh, really was towards the end of uh, Verhoeven's 
sort of American, American films. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's made films recently, but they've they've been uh, foreign kind of films. Nick's taking photos right now, so if you want to check out our Instagram page at Film Tank Show sometime, I'm sure those will be up uh, before the show even gets. People got to know online. how excited I am. You are. You are. Spoiler a huge fan. alert! This is Nick's favorite movie of all time. One of them. Yeah, it's it's up there actually. Uh, the uh, tagline, uh, if you want to know more about Starship Troopers, is humans. Do you want to know more? <laughs> yeah. You are so good with those. I try. Humans in a militaristic future to battle with giant alien bugs in a fight survival but that really doesn't say anything about what actually is going on it's a lot smarter than it comes off i was gonna say that's exactly what it's about and yet it's also about so much more yeah Uh, i'm gonna go out of my way to not actually mention anybody other than neil patrick harris as a character (laughs) what about michael ironside what yeah he's great (laughs) okay there are a lot of Denise richards come on yeah but like peak 90s denise richards (laughs) okay (laughs) but there are no like starring roles like no one's going to remember caster van dean as the the starring that back (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Anyways, he's got, a, sh- he's got a fucking poster of him in his uh, in his bedroom. In Kenny, fact, that was I, that between was, me and you. Okay, yeah, and I <laughs> tore that down when I moved, so you know that's gone now. Just to let you know. Wait a minute, I'm, I'm yeah, confused. You, you tore it down when you moved. <laughs> I was talking about <laughs> he his. Was talking about oh. he was talking about Nick's bedroom. Oh, right. just completely. It's been when, a rough episode between the fucking. When Gremlin did you live thing. in Nick's bedroom? <laughs> Why don't we cut that joke out? I, I don't think you can. Oh, boy. Um, we'll, we'll figure something out. It's the second joke that went right over Alex. Roll with it. It's been, a, it's been a rough day, all right? So, Nick, I, I guess we should start with you since you are a, a huge Starship Troopers fan, which is funny because sci-fi is uh, it's really not your bread and butter. That's true. And war films, which this ostensibly is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. So, so, so let's hear it. Okay, well... Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Sorry, I have to consult my notes here because I actually took notes for the first time since I don't know Jesus. the conversation. I think yeah. with the last time I showed up with notes, oh, wow. you didn't take notes for the Chappy episode. <laughs> I took a lot of notes, but it was just fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, <laughs> written over it's and got over. Got a lot to say. Bullet point: fuck you. Um, okay, what I love about this film, just diving straight into it, is that there are two films for the price of one, and that they don't just work in spite of each other; they work because of each other. On the surface, this is just a ridiculously stupid, campy, you know, uh, 90210 in space movie. Because the first half of this movie is, I would say, pretty much goes through all the cliched tropes of coming-of-age story. There's the big dance, there's the graduation, kind of. The, I'm big, not, the big game, even, too. The big game, yeah. <laughs> it's um, such a 90s high school movie. <laughs> yes. Is what it is. Yeah, the soundtrack that they're playing during the uh, during the, the prom or whatever, it's just great. Wouldn't it be great if this, like, randomly... Uh, Zach from Saved by the Bell came out and like did like a walking monologue during like, the middle part of this movie. That'd you say awesome. that, but that's pretty much what what's his name? <laughs> pretty, I mean, Cas whatever. Casper Van Casper Dien. Van yeah. Dien. Yeah, see, I don't remember his name. And Nobody seen, does. No. He's, he's probably dead. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, no. He he turned up for uh, Starship Trooper Three. Oh from God. What I hear. So that's how his career is going. Um, but yeah, no. But when this movie is doing all of that, and I wouldn't say it works as that alone, but I can at least appreciate. It. Like this is the kind of movie where, like, if I'm drunk and I'm watching it, then it's just the stupidest movie ever, and I'm having a ball with it. But even if I'm sober, 
that's when the genius of it comes in, which is this is maybe like this should be taught in high school if you want to teach fascist rhetoric. Yeah. Uh, because I would say almost every line can come back and teach. I mean, just from the very first moments alone when they're uh, – <laughs> I love how, first of all, it starts off with the propaganda video because why not? And um, I love the, the scene in which you see uh, all the soldiers lined up and they're all saying, I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part. And then it cuts to like a five-year-old boy going, I'm doing my part. And every all the little uh, – They all turn and they yeah, laugh. They laugh because that's cute and like you know they, they actually encourage that kind of behavior, which is further reinforced by the propaganda video you'll see later – Halfway through the movie, when you see all the little kids stomp, bugs, stomping yeah. on the cockroaches, I was just gonna say that's my favorite one. Yeah. They're all and, stomping, and the, on the, the, and the mother's just laughing. Oh my god, she's got like this hysterical <laughs> devil look on her face. Oh, it's great. So, but getting to that though, like that's what to me is so smart about this movie is that I can't believe that there are that many people that at the time of its release, because I was too young to see this when it first came out. But I read all the the old reviews and whatnot. And I think Time was the most scathing uh, mm. review of it. That the, the the fact that anybody took this seriously just kind of boggles my mind. And even uh, Verhoeven in the commentary uh, paraphrased from the Time Review, and he said that – and whoever wrote for uh, that article basically said that, like, um, he was glorifying fascism. And he goes, I wasn't glorifying it. It's just the fact that – and he goes, maybe – and this is what the Time uh, writer said. Maybe war makes fascists of us all. And he goes, yeah, that's actually exactly the point. He goes, yeah. it's not that I'm glorifying it, but if you're if you're participating in this, you're going to go down that road and you can't look like anything else. So um, – but almost every scene in this movie pretty much, I would say, reaffirms this theme. I mean, even in the beginning, when you see it, the diorama of the solar system, and you see the Klandathu system. Klandathu. Yeah, which is supposed to be their enemy, whatever, all the way on the other side <laughs> of the map. And you see their solar system over here, and it literally says, Klandathu must be destroyed to protect ours, you know, which is so brilliantly, I would say and unfortunately foreshadows America's foreign policy and jingoism of what we would eventually do uh, come uh, everything after 9-11 and yeah. how we would speak about the, the war on terror, you know. It's uncomfortably prescient of that. Yes, and yet it's also... Were you gonna say? I was just going to mention something that you're kind of hitting on now, which I, I the one thing about this movie, watching it in 2015, which is, is amazing to me, and this isn't even a movie that I would say I'm a huge fan of, yeah. I, but... I, th- I think watching it now and seeing sort of the media coverage in this film and then thinking about how media is today, it, yes. it's it's it, from 1997 to 2015 in that 18-year time span, we've gotten a lot closer yeah. to the media in Starship Troopers than what we had when this movie was released, which is it, – it is a little concerning. It's insane <laughs> that like this was obviously – supposed to be, I would say, uh, poking fun at all past wars, and it ended up being more about what we would eventually come to do rather than what we've done. Although there is definitely past references. I mean, the um, the, the actual military suits that they uh, wear have, I think, ZZ on, their, think so. on, on yeah. the side of there, which, of course, is a play on SS, which is the Nazis' uh, party and whatnot. Um, but yeah, the media, which by the way, if you look closely enough, it says federal, which means that the media is controlled by the government. I mean, this all, every single inch of this movie comes down to just kind of bombasting this 
uh, whatever you want to call it, fascist society in which you can't be a civilian unless you join the military, and and yeah. yet no, you can't be a can't be a citizen unless you join. Yeah, the sorry, military. you can't be a yeah. thank you. Citizen. Everyone else is a civilian, right? Because uh, according to the teacher, uh, played wonderfully uh, by Michael Ironside, which is essentially a civics class that doubles as a recruiting service. It's a history course too. It's yes. really incredible that a general from the army is teaching yes. high school classes. Well, he was. It, it's implied that he was retired, but then he went back into service. Right, like wants to fight uh, uh, the attack on Buenos Aires came, yeah. which weirdly parallels uh, the attack on nine eleven, simply in the way that the how they react to it in the film, yeah, and the same way that we reacted to that in real life, which is we kept. Uh, shall we say intrude? And they even say this in the film. You know, some people, uh, the reporter. This is yeah, maybe this is maybe that. my yeah. favorite part. Of, and then I'll pass it off to you to yeah. This is maybe my favorite part in the entire uh, film was when there's a reporter going around and um, going. I mean, he goes up to I think Rico and Diaz and uh, some of the others and says, um, you know, some people believe that the bugs were provoked and that we should follow a live and let live policy and just get out of their natural habitat. <laughs> And then Johnny Rico goes, yeah, well, I'm from Buenos Aires, and I say kill them all. And then he runs off, and then the reporter just turns and looks directly at the camera, which in 1997 did not necessarily mean that much, but in a post-9-11 world is one of the scariest things ever because he's looking straight at us, and it now just unfortunately comes off as like, what the fuck did you guys do type moment. Yeah. Plus that scene right there is kind of what you were saying before. It's the the, the dual personality of this movie. That is some of the worst acting, and it's it's so over-the-top cheesy, that whole interview scene. Yeah. It's like you, you can't... You can't avoid how bad it is, yet it has that much meaning to it. And that it. goes, that fuels the whole propaganda nature of this film. Like, he, in my opinion, Verhoeven, intentionally casted these actors to be bland, and also that way that they're not in on this joke, because if they were, then there would be too much winking. The the best actor that Paul Verhoeven has ever casted in any of his American movies is Miguel Ferrer in RoboCop. Really? I mean, not like Michael Douglas or... In Basic Instinct, or... Well... In terms of performance? Well, in terms of... He doesn't cast... Like, he doesn't usually cast actors and actresses based on their merits. Like, Michael Douglas is a little bit of an outlier. Right, right. But I think by the time 19... My point about the casting is this. By the time 1997 rolled around, I feel like Verhoeven was at a point where he could have casted anybody. And the fact that he casted uh, Casper, whatever, and Denise Richards, and um, whoever plays uh, Diaz. Fucking Gary Busey's son is amazing. Jake Jake Busey. Busey. (laughs) The fact that he casted these people, in my opinion, is actually telling the fact that he wanted, like, to, you know, to have people that were not going to get this and were going to give this as sincerely, you know, as poorly too, but as sincerely as they could. And only, and I think uh, Scott Tobias covered this film uh, for the AV Club in the, the new cult canon, and he said that, and I kind of agree with this, only Neil Patrick Harris seems to be in on the joke here. And yeah. I think, especially now it's 2015 and we've seen some of the projects he'd done, that would pretty much, I would think, ring true. But... Toussaint, what were you gonna? What are your general feelings about this before I go on and on? <laughs> You've been talking about this film for a while now. Like we've we've we have references to this film as far back as our RoboCop episode, and that's actually like one of the last times before recently that I rewatched it, and it it all holds up. Like I, I had watched this movie maybe when I was much much younger, I wasn't really in on the joke, but it is chilling how how on point this film is that it can both function as like a a, a mindless like sci-fi action 
like war film, but also being a scathing commentary of like military like autocraticism and and fascism and shit. Like I feel like for me the most like what what, what you, you you said before when Michael Ironside is like talking to Rico at the beginning of the of of the, the movie in, in, in the classroom scene and they're talking about like the death of democracy and the use yes. of citizens and stuff I'm like this is fucking terrifying yeah. shit what the fuck is going on here yeah yeah and, and that 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 culture of and they're all led by by veterans they're all led by people within the actual military and so it kind of like lends credence to that other point that you were talking about where the reporter is like well maybe we inadvertently like stoked this war with them and the only reason that this war is going on is because like the earth's government is perpetuating it in order to like like keep their control yeah, of mean, the federation it goes back to the ridiculous scene when the um i don't know what rank he is but when the general or whatever throws the knife at uh, <laughs> jake Busey's hand and he says you know they cannot push the button if you disable their hand because that's their whole uh, military policy which is we need to attack them because in our heads we got it uh you know convinced that they're going to attack us yeah. type thing um, one other little detail I just want to throw out there that I love is that I love how this seems like a as futuristic as it is or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's also this very undercurrent of like how this entire society is illiterate. There, hmm. First of all, everything happens on a computer screen when they're in the classrooms, you know, that everything is just right there on their little TVs, which I'm not saying is not how it's, it is in today's world. Yeah, right? I was just like, going right. to say, well, oh, yeah. watch out here. No, <laughs> I'm not I'm saying like it, and that's why it's also prescient. But also even uh, in the dialogue when um, Denise Richards tells Rico to write her, and we see what that means, which is that he she sends her a video, a video message. Yourself, yeah. So, like, literally, writing <laughs> also has nothing to do with anything anymore. I just thought that was that was that was yeah. this is the kind of movie where I noticed something new every time, and that was something that I was like, oh wow, that's pretty. Dumb. It's um, it, it's only grown on me with like subsequent reviews, and I, man, that that film is so terrifying. I I just I just can't stand it. It, it, it freaks me out that that might actually be the future. Yeah, it's uh, well, it's it could be the future, and it's in some ways our past. I mean, it's it's fucked up. Yeah. Oh, uh, another thing that I, that I meant to mention: all the intercuts are kind of like parallel to that of in RoboCop, and that they're supposed to like build toward the central theme of the actual yeah. film. But going back to the whole war propaganda angle, all of those intercuts and a lot of the elements from this film were inspired by the work of Joseph Goebbels, who was the propaganda director for Nazi Germany. Like, Triumph of Will is actually... Yes, Triumph actually, of the Will. ...actually, like, cited as one of the yep. the influences of the intercuts. Paul Verhoeven grew up in a Nazi-occupied country, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. He was, and I actually kind of looked into that. And as far as I was able to tell, he himself was, I would say, not, as far as I could tell, not... Uh, not involved, obviously, yeah. but, but not a victim of too many. Now, obviously, his nation was, and I'm sure people he knew or whatever. But I wanted to see because, yeah, like with the parallels to like Nazism or whatever, I wanted to see. And because uh, another film he would go on to make ten years later, back in his home country, uh, was uh, called Black Book, and that's uh, all about World War Two and uh, Nazi uh, persecution of uh, Polish people and such. But um, as far as I can tell, he was actually pretty much on the. Luckily, like, uh, kind of escaped all that. Uh, but yeah, that is another thing that obviously comes from his past, and uh, yeah, it's, it's very, it's eerily similar to the point that it's like unrecognizable. I don't know what I want to say, but the fact that it could be this similar, once again, I just cannot believe that this many people took it just for the surface value of like, oh, this is just a 
stupid war movie. They didn't really have like a. They they didn't have the the benefit of foresight, or e- or even of hindsight. They were just like looking at it in the moment. And if you look see. at the, the the way like, uh, I want to say like it's parallels to whether it be like to Nazism or even just to the war on terror. Like the fact that they're fighting bugs. I mean that just goes to the whole dehumanization of the enemy. The like, other right. Like there's no way we are superior. Therefore, it doesn't matter if we killed them. And that's all that matters is that we dominate because they don't deserve to live type mentality. I think that my favorite character in this film would have to be uh, Michael Ironsight's character of the the instructor, later the commander. Just because early on in the film, like, he has this whole, like, vitrolic, um, very impassioned speech about, like, you know, you're not a citizen unless you do this. But then Rico actually comes to them, as, comes to him and says, like, you know, what should I do? And he's like, you know what, Rico, you're old enough, you can make your own decisions. And I was like, I was really impressed with that from that character, that he didn't just try to, like, proselytize to them. But he lives in a society that pretty much makes his mind up for him. And yeah. that that's what's scary about the whole thing, is yeah. that Rico believes he has a choice, but A, he can't be a citizen without this. Yeah. B, there's no real viable career path. Like, you see in that showers, uh, co-ed shower scene, that all of them are there for various reasons, not because they want to be in the military, but because one of them wants to have uh, babies, which apparently you need a license for right. that they said that um, one of them wants to go to Harvard but can't pay for it. I mean they're all things that actually are happening like real, real yeah answer, like yeah. you know uh, where people don't necessarily go to fight because they want to fight but because they feel like it's A their civic duty and B uh, because it'll actually get them to somewhere else yeah but, you saw that scene as having meaning, whereas I, as a ten-year-old, <laughs> saw that scene for boobs. <laughs> I, I mean, I noticed those too. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. This this movie for me is packed with just reminiscent feelings because I did see it. You know, I, I didn't see it in the theater, but I instantly owned it on VHS when it came out. <laughs> Um, and I still have that VHS floating around somewhere, which is why I had to borrow it from you to watch it. Even. You don't have a VCR player? No, I don't. But uh, <clears throat> yeah, that, so I and and since then, I, I I watched the shit out of it back then, but I haven't seen it in in some time. It's been fifteen years or, or so. But um, so yeah, my my immediate thoughts were, oh shit, that's <clears throat> that's the movie with with boobs in it. <laughs> Um, also, Denise Richards, not, not as attractive as I remember. I was just watching her thinking, good Lord, Jesus. That's all you thought about watching good this Lord. movie is the, the no, looks no, of no, women? No, 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 I thought, I thought of many things, but, uh. You're going to Starfleet? That's where I want to go. That's all I remember from her lives. Oh, um, boy. I, I, when I was watching this, I, I never really paid attention back then to, uh, a lot of the sets were very Star Wars-ish. And and sure enough, I was looking at the uh, did you know trivia stuff on on IMDb, and apparently there's even a scene where there's like a miniature Millennium Falcon in one of the scenes. Um, also, there was another scene where they were like defending that um, that little fort that they were in. Mm-hmm. And it was a total throwback to another movie I used to love as a kid called Zulu. I don't know if anybody's seen that, but I've it, heard of that. It, it absolutely has like tons of references, and and even what the, the little base that they're trying to defend looks just like it. And For '97, the graphics in this movie are pretty good. That's what I was saying. They I was wondering if you guys are. were going to agree with me or not. For but sure, yeah. The mix between CGI, which was relatively new at that point, mm-hmm. and actually the practical effects, like that whole uh, the first invasion scene, I thought was just really well done. I think it helps that it's set at night, so you don't get to see it obviously in perfect clarity. But mm-hmm. well, even as it goes on and there's a couple of day scenes like yeah. it, it is very good and and i feel like the more invasions 
that happened in the movie, the better it gets, to be honest with you. And I was very surprised by that. I thought, I thought going back and watching, I'm like, well, it's going to have some cool value to it because I watched it so much as a kid. But it's probably not going to have looked as good as I remember. But absolutely, it did actually. And I was it's not I was, like RoboCop in that sense. No, where, it's like, not. RoboCop's. It's just it's hilarious. How yeah, bad well, what's aged. that opening? Uh, that that robot that like falls down the stairs yeah, in the room. Oh, the two the uh, yes. the T- Ed two oh nine. Ed two oh nine. Yeah, no. yeah. Where yeah, that's we're, like over the top bad yes. that, that's, on purpose. That is like right up there with the the car bomb scene casino, the most like ridiculous right. things oh, yeah. you've ever seen in film. Right. Where you're just like, wait a minute, people actually let this happen? <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, no, but these alien bugs are actually they look really cool, and I love uh, the the little the world that they go to, Clendathu. It's just it's just such a cool like like you know other planet that they take you to and 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 everything from the 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 regu- the original bugs I can't remember what they were calling them but then like the flying ones start coming in and there's that giant one that the vagina bug basically no 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 oh, that one's later. One. The, the, the the brain bug yeah like, no that's no, no that's, that's, that's the one that's at the, the end what's bug. the giant one that's like the huge like. Like the, the, the oh, queen. I know what you're talking about. The one that comes oh. up through the ground. Right, the one yeah. that Rico fucking throws a grenade inside of and <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yes. blows it up. I f- yeah, I forget the names. They all look so cool, and they're so creative and imaginative. And Also, they call them arachnids, which sounds like arachnids. Oh. 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 Just saying. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. For for me, it was it was fun to revisit this movie after having been so long. But also, as, as a kid back then, like I didn't pay attention to any of the propaganda stuff or any of the satire. Like I didn't even know that what just any goes of that over your head was. because, yeah. like, right. you want to do your part. You so it was a pleasant surprise returning to it and, and realizing, like, oh shit, this movie's actually a lot smarter than I remember it being. Yeah. So how about so, you, Alex? So this movie for me, uh, while I totally agree with what Nick brought to the table and what he has thought about this for a long time, I've always <laughs> known Nick talk about Starship Troopers. Um, and what you guys are, I'm going to echo your sentiments because I totally agree that the the propaganda parallels with this movie are amazing, especially as seeing this movie in like 1999 for the first time when I saw it, you know, on HBO or some shit back then. And seeing it now, it's incredible how differently you think about a film. I mean, I felt the same way when I watched RoboCop for the first time as an adult, and that's not at all you know it's a different sort of theme in that film it's still doing some of the same things but it's not as heavy on it as uh, starship troopers is that being said though i sat down for two hours and watched this movie and you know it's just at the end of the day it, it, it is a very smart film but at the same time i still watch movies to be you know entertained and this is overall a really dumb movie it has a lot of really smart themes to it and i grant you that there is a lot of smart you know use of the propaganda by paul verhoven as he's showing this to you and showing in it in i'm all with you guys there that 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 is great for this movie but i still want to like a movie while i'm watching it and just watching this movie and seeing what is happening in it i couldn't get on board with a lot of the scenes that were happening the entire scene where it pretty much starts with boot camp to when the war starts, like really doesn't do anything for me in terms of watching a movie, which in that scene is probably like those scenes are probably like 25 to 30 minutes of the movie. Uh, however, there is one character who uh, gets killed on uh, the main character's watch, Ron Rico's watch. 
who is uh, played by the same actor who plays Rube Baker in the uh, second and third major league movies. Oh. So he's a really <laughs> random actor. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I love that he gets his arm broken by the drill sergeant and then also uh, gets killed later on in a training session. Yep. Um, also, another thing that uh, I like about this film is people who show up. I said there were no stars, and so I was, I was like trying to wait till this. I wanted to lead up to this. Is this movie has so many people who show up? You're like, holy shit, that's fucking Dean Norris. Yep, I was gonna bring that up. Dean Norris is there. Uh, really, the main lead female character, because Denise Richards is more of a side character, even though she's right. the top billing. The main female character from the Saw movies. Yeah, she's from the Saw movies. I was going yep. to say, holy that. shit, is yeah. that wow? Carrie, Detective Carrie Washington, oh, or whatever yeah. from shit. Saw. Right. Dina Meyer. I was trying yes. to figure yeah. out where else I had seen her at. Okay. Also, uh, I forget his name in this movie, but uh, the guy who played Carver from The Wire is in it. Totally. I was going to mention that, oh, actually. So I didn't know if you were, because you haven't seen it yet. No, but it, it, I was going to mention that he is known from The Wire. What's his name? Do you know? The actor's name is Seth Gilliam. Yes. Anyways, I wanted to bring this up because the night before, uh, so I guess it was Sunday night, I was watching an episode of Criminal Minds with my wife. She is She's a big fan of the single-serving television uh, crime <laughs> dramas, so she watches lots of Law and Orders and Criminal Minds and all that. So we were watching an episode of Criminal Minds, and uh, Seth Gilliam was the main villain on that episode. <laughs> and then I watched Starship Troopers the next day, and I'm like, you know what? That looks like the same guy, even though it was years earlier. Yeah. So I looked at it, and in fact, it was. So that was awesome. Mm-hmm. But overall, as a film, I, I just feel like this is, is just a okay film in terms of me enjoying watching it. I, I'm with you guys on on the messages from this film, and I, and I think they are there for sure. But but I want to sit down and I, when I want to watch a movie, I want to feel something for it. And I, I I just feel like I can't get behind everything about this movie, even though I I will agree that it is there. I can totally understand that because it, for me, like the reason why I kind of fell in love with this was that. When I started to, because I genuinely did not think what I think about this movie before I saw it. I didn't read that much about it, so I didn't know that this was out there and that like that's the kind of thing that this movie was doing. So when I first sat down to watch it, and this is probably where I'm going to guess you and I differ, Alex, is that mm-hmm. I was cracking up. I, I, I literally, like, I this is like one of the funniest movies, in my opinion, and I'm just judging that based on like how much I laugh at it, because that subversive, not subversiveness, but that like play into this this fascist rhetoric just cracks me up like every time um like and, and it sounds like you know very simple and like petty but like even when he refers to his football game and he goes you go, how are you going to do at the game and he's like we're going to kill him you know like just kind of like every line just does come back to this murder yeah ridiculous how violence is you know like this like the teacher said the supreme authority from which all authority is derived from you know? <laughs> so I, I maybe that's somewhere where you and I differ yeah. in terms of what makes us laugh because right. That's I, the thing. I have the total opposite feel from this movie where I, I didn't think a lot. I thought there were some funny parts to it. But I honestly thought the original Rotocop is like hilarious. Which I totally get. And there are two characters in that movie who are always hilarious, which are Clarence Bodiger, first and foremost, played by Kurtwood Smith, who's the main villain, who's yep. got... Ten at least quotable lines. The in best the movie. line ever. And the guy who plays Dick Jones does a great job playing that like snarky businessman, whatever. Um, and this movie just didn't have those characters for me. And Which, and I'm a bear, I'm a very big character person where I, I need characters 
to deliver funny lines, and there was not a lot of that in this movie. I would say the fact that the reason why it's kind of like, and I know you're going to hate that I bring this up, but uh, it's kind of like MacGruber. The fact that <laughs> the, the people in this movie are taking it this seriously is what makes me laugh. Okay. So, for example, there's there's one background player in this movie that I don't know her name, but she's the one with red hair. Um, uh, she, you know, she's in their troupe. Yeah, but, you short, know, short red hair. Yeah, short yeah. red hair. Yeah, she. If you watch this movie ever again, so if you ever get around to watching it, watch the movie and only watch what she does because, in my opinion, she's one of the funniest things about the movie because she is always overacting, even if she's in the background. When the uh, attack on Buenos Aires happens and Rico goes, you know, like to to the congregation and goes, what's happening? And she's, like, holding back tears, and she's like, the goddamn bugs whacked us, Johnny. <laughs> like, she just, like, she's so broken up. <laughs> I remember up. that. Yes. Like, yeah. it's just so hilarious how seriously they're taking this. I think she is the one, and this is another thing I wanted to mention about something I, I, I genuinely like about this movie, because I think even though this is very relatable to the world we live in, this is obviously playing in a different universe. Yeah. Um, the indiscriminate nudity, especially in the shower scene, is something that, like, it just, like, the first time I saw, like, I didn't think about it when I was a kid. I'm the same thing as Kenny, I'm just like, oh, look, women are naked. This is great. <laughs> but watching this movie now, I'm thinking, holy shit, all these, all these 18 year olds are showering with each other and no one is making a mention of, holy shit, we're all naked. Which I think is deliberate because it's not just a shower scene. Think about it this. Women are also on the same football team as men. Because Diaz, mm-hmm. not Diaz, um, uh, What's her name? Uh, uh, Dizzy? Dizzy. Dizzy is on the same football team. Like, it's funny because it's almost like to say, like, that gender politics made progress simply because they've all decided to just not speak about it. Like, <laughs> that, like that, that's a very sad, but yet um, weirdly <laughs> progressive Let's notion. Let's just not talk about it. Right. And as long as everybody does their part, then it's not an issue. Well, and, and the last thing I was going to mention about, about that point, what I was making... Yeah is that I think the the girl with the short red hair is uh, one of the two people who moons the camera yes. for the when he's making with yeah and if you you never see a girl mooning like you you, don't, yeah. you just don't see it's like, always flashing or yeah, well yeah. that but it, but usually it's some you know it's middle school dude, high school some yeah. some asshole dude be like huh? it's, and it's, it's, it's says it's something crazy. that like I would say you could gender flip any of these characters and it would be the same exact film right. I mean maybe Johnny Rico is supposed to be like the poster boy like masculine man child which I also want to say. It's one of the few times where I think it's not just okay, but also hilarious that, and in a good way, that they whitewash his character because he's supposed to be from Buenos Aires, and they make many references to the fact that he's Puerto Rican, but yet also he is like completely blonde hair, blue blonde eye. hair, blue eyes, yeah. like he butt is the, chin. He is the Aryan like wet dream of uh, yeah. Hitler, and it, it is just hilarious. Um, you know the the story behind that shower scene, right? Where Paul Verhoeven went. He was naked to, during it. Yeah, right? he had to be naked yeah, during it. Right? Like that was the only way. Like that was the only way that those actors would consent to doing that. Is like Paul Verhoeven has to be naked. Well, yeah, See, that there, just it makes was me part love of that a guy even more. <laughs> part of a the, the the chick that played Dizzy actually like it was a part of a dare. Mm-hmm. I was I was actually just reading this where he actually they filmed a scene with him and somebody else in it. Nude as well. Yeah, cinematographer, yeah. I believe. Right. Yeah. Never actually, obviously, made it. Of course, right. Right. Oh Alex, God. I feel like I'm probably more on on your wavelength here. Where, like, I'm curious to know, like, did you did you actually think like were were there times where you literally thought like this this is dumb or was it more just kind of like a dumb fun? Because like when I sit there and watch it, like I, you know, I. I 
definitely notice the satire and everything, yeah. but I, I don't put a lot of stock in it just because that's not really how I am when I watch movies. But I can still sit there and enjoy it. I don't think it's dumb, but I, I definitely acknowledge the dumb fun in it. And I definitely the, the enjoy campiness. it more than something like MacGruber. Uh, which, yeah. which, which no, is, I only brought that up because, A, it exemplifies where we differ humor-wise. Right. But I will say this, uh, RoboCop, is the original RoboCop, is a very satirical movie, and yet I find that whole movie hilarious. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think RoboCop is better as well, but they're also very different movies. Yes. Where this was more of like a sci-fi... It, it is, but but I'm, I'm just saying that RoboCop, there's still a lot of satire, and it's a different platform as, as they're going towards business rather than military and... and a much it's it's a much grander scale in Starship Troopers. Let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah, that's what I was. Just, I wanted to clarify because they're obviously both sci-fi. Yeah. but this one takes you to a whole different universe. It's, it's and the whatnot. whole world, not just the the American businessman. Is, right. is, is is it is in a lot? I mean, it's not everything, but a lot of RoboCop is the American businessman. Is is what gets the satire mostly in that film. It, it, this film, I don't think it's stupid ever throughout, even though there are a lot of stupid things that are happening, because you, you can't really take m- much of this movie literal. I mean, that's that's the problem that people got in when they originally watched this movie, is they're, is they're sitting here taking this everything that's happening in this movie, like, they're being serious, and people are just saying, well, this is dumb. But <laughs> I, I will say, I, I, I it just still just is not doing much for me, especially the second act of this film. The the war scenes and especially my favorite scene of this movie is the very end when they capture the brain bug and they have that AKA Jabba the Hutt. Well, and they, and they have that sort of thing where they're like prodding in, saying, "Well, we're going to figure out." And, and I, I'm, I'm loving every minute of that because it's very that, reminiscent of Guantanamo Bay. That yeah. was it was very reminiscent to me of when, and even though they did different ways, but I feel like the pulling him out of the the hole that they came out. Of, Reminded me so much of when uh, the military caught Saddam Hussein yeah. in a hole. I mean, and that was you know <laughs> almost almost ten years later, or maybe even yeah. more. I'm literally cracking up when Neil Patrick Harris is starting to read his mind, and he just yeah. goes, "It's afraid." Oh, it's afraid. And I know this, and he just starts chanting, yeah. and everybody goes behind. Like that's somehow is like that's their victory. Like they still have not in right. any way figured out how they would actually beat you know this enemy but yeah. as long as they're uh quote-unquote in his mind uh, afraid uh, I, th- I, thought that I actually wrote them. that down in my notes as like the single cheesiest <laughs> moment of the movie there's like it's like all this suspense building up he's like what's it thinking it's, it's afraid <laughs> and everybody just cheers I was like, oh, Good. come on but but, but to, to, to answer your question i think just to, to put a put a put a cap on it i you know, I, I, I do think some of the parts of this movie are dumb, and they, they are intentionally dumb and whatever. But at the same time, uh, I enjoyed it's, some of it, but uh, it's, it's a, entertaining, as a whole, but it's not a game changer. As a I can whole, understand th- how this it, is just not my kind of movie. Yeah. Right, right. I, I'm sorry, but I also want to bring up another little thing. That's fine. I love the idea that um, I think in halfway through one of the other propaganda segments that um, – <laughs> That they would censor the um, oh my god yeah the, the yeah what, the penetration the of the penetration, bug yeah. but but uh, the execution of a guilty man on their own planet is live on all channels because yeah so I just I uh, execution that. after his his capture and trial happened on that same day yeah like it was just <laughs> that whatever and like that's gonna be live all channels all night or whatever but then all of a sudden it cuts to that and then it's just yeah it censors the uh, the bug. Uh, Interrogation. Just don't talk about it, man. Yeah. Can I can I bring up to you guys something that that it, it's funny we're talking about how dumb this movie is on the surface at least. Um, when it comes to war movies, and this gets into 
the great graphics that in this movie for its time and for yeah. its budget that I'm guessing this didn't have seven independence day budget for sure. <laughs> the, the scene. And even though it is a, in terms of propaganda it is where the audience seeing it very similar to when we see all the bugs coming out is when we have the first landing when the war starts and everyone is running out of their ships and there's explosions happening for me. That's one of the best scenes I've ever seen in a war movie. Just so just watching that visual of people running from ship from all these different ships and you've seen explosions in the background. It's at night. It's, it's an incredible war scene that I feel like it was on purpose, but it feels like an accident to me that it, that worked it, out so perfectly. It I don't reminded think me of why I loved laser tag so much when <laughs> I was a kid. <laughs> For the first time in 15 years, I wanted to go play laser tag when yeah. I was watching this. Obviously, I'm no stranger to uh, praising Paul Verhoeven, but I feel like that's why I do love his films, because I feel like he is a great director purposely making I, I wouldn't say shitty films some of them are shitty yeah. some of them in my opinion aren't whatever well they're but, campy as well yeah He's purposely going into, it, yeah. yeah going into these campy uh shall we say like bottom of the barrel genres and lending his i think i would like say like artistic eye to it because i'm i'm completely with you that like that invasion scene and it's just humans running around with uh, CGI bugs and for the most part is one of the best filmed war scenes I've seen in any war film. Well, so. and what I always liked about it, um, the, it, it never looks cheesy when the bugs actually like kill the, the, the soldiers. Like it, it actually it's looks really graphic, very yeah. graphic and it never looks bad in any way. Like well, they're being penetrated by these things like through their chest and it never looks fake. It actually looks for 1997. It, right. It looks better than a lot of films today. I, I do love the scene when uh, it, it's when the, the general gets, gets killed or he, he dies when he gets his legs. Yeah. Lopped off by, by the, the big bug, by the, the by the queen, the, the, and another. Loses even more body parts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's already missing his arm for God's sake. By the way, every single school teacher is deformed in some way, whether they're blind, missing an arm. That was another character. Uh, yep. One of the characters from the Golden Girls is the uh, the teacher, the blind teacher. Wait, Incredible. Uh, the girl plays bl- the lady who plays Blanche. Wait, on, that's uh, Rue McClanahan. Yes. Holy shit! <laughs> I, I always say that because I'm watching Maud right now. Okay, B. Arthur, the other one, but uh, and Rue McCannahan is also in Maud. So yeah, that's her. I just I thought I recognized her yesterday, so that's so weird. Anyway, sorry. But there that is. That's so weird. Um, We're all having these moments. Yeah, well, there's yeah. a lot of characters that's, who show up in this movie, right? right? That's I, I think, them. Yeah, you yeah. tried. To, yeah, you made this point earlier. There's yeah. just so many yeah. people in this. It's like holy shit! I either didn't remember them or holy crap, is that who I think it is? Yeah. yeah, it's I, it's also odd to me that this movie is now twenty twenty almost eight, coming up on twenty five years, years, years old. Yeah, Jesus, that's crazy to me. Isn't that something? Neil Patrick Harris looks like a twelve year old boy in this movie. Yeah, this was yeah. really before. Anything well, no, he was a twelve year old boy when he did Doogie Howser. <laughs> right. <laughs> this is really before. I mean, he, it's funny. His big break, really, in the grand scheme of things. Came in Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. I mean that that was him. He like, was in Harold. That was the Kumar first time to... I ever saw him. Actually, that, but that's what I'm saying. Like people had forgotten that he was a real person until he shows up <laughs> He's in a Harold real and person. Kumar. Wait, he... was he in White Castle or Guantanamo Bay? Oh, he was in the first Harold and oh, Kumar. I never, yeah. I never. He saw was those. the star of the first Harold yeah, and Kumar go to White really? Castle. Right. Yeah. yeah, I gotta watch those now. That's a that's a hilarious movie. <laughs> the first one, at least. Yeah, the first one is so, okay. Because I was gonna say because that did come before How I Met Your Mother, but. 
Um, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. But I I thought he only showed up in the second one. I thought that was no, like the, no, the no. big joke, whether it was a cameo or no, something. no. Okay. He, 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 it's funny because it isn't a cameo, and it is him parodying himself. himself. Right, right. But but that that was his big break is yep. coming back to <laughs> I'm a real actor. Right. I had another point I was going to make there about something. I completely forgot what it was. Um, we, I'm sure I, I, we have you have some more stuff to say before we go to ratings here. Yeah, the, I just, the yep. job of the hut, the brain bug thing. All I could think of that it just kept reminding me of the South Park episode with when, when Stan finds the clitoris. Oh yeah, <laughs> I was just saying, that's why I call him the vagina bug. No, that's from the movie. That's from the movie. Oh yeah, from the movie. Yeah, yeah that's from the movie. <laughs> it yeah. literally looks like that. It's, yeah. it's really freaky. Oh god, made me feel weird about going through puberty. <laughs> <laughs> Um, one thing I was going to mention was that one of my favorite jokes in this movie is not like a, a single joke, but just a running theme is that Rico is the perfect soldier because he's an idiot and all he can do is regret. Literally, the first thing we see him, he's in the classroom and uh, Michael Ironside's character almost chastises him for regurgitating the textbook right and that's exactly that's, what that's, makes him the perfect military uh person to literally go through the rank i mean here's a person who <laughs> fails one of his training exercises because he gets a guy killed but as long as he can follow orders that's the only thing that will actually continue to advance his career so i thought that was just a brilliant well, he even said after he like he he was trying to quit basically and he came back in and he's like i already made one mistake and i didn't learn from it yeah. now now i want to make another or something <laughs> yeah. and then they just go Oh, so no. I guess it's just your they, signature. Yeah, then they doesn't look it like up. it to me. Yeah, yes, sir. Yep. And even uh, really quick, the I love the hilarious moment when Michael Ironside just peeks his head into the uh, tent when uh, oh, him, yeah. him <laughs> and Diddy are about to have sex, and then they're like, "Give us five minutes," or he goes, "Come get get back here in ten minutes," and then he looks and then he goes, "Make it 15 and then he just kind of like giggles. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things I I I've forgotten to mention earlier when we were talking about how how this film sort of. Uh, talks about the the future of what is to come, and it, it's a there are parts of this movie that are like crazy. Uh, I, I always thought an interesting thing about this film, and I you know looked more into it. But the three main characters, which are Rico, uh, Denise Richards' character, and uh, Dizzy, their names are Rico, Carmen Ibanez, and Dizzy Flores. Yep. Very you know Hispanic, yeah, Spanish they're all sounding to be Puerto Rican because they're all from Buenos Aires. I, I know, but it's just something that and they're the whitest people ever. I uh, they 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 are, but I think it's it, it it has something to say about how you know the U.S. is become so much more. You know, there there are people who have long heritages that mm. you wouldn't even know about. Like, and this is something where it's just commonplace that someone is you know who's white like Denise Richards and she's Carmen Abanez. You're like, wait a minute, no, she's not. Yeah, she's she's white. I know, I, I know she's white. Come yeah, on. I was sitting there watching it like in the beginning of the movie, and my wife's like, "So where does this take place?" And it, I, I couldn't I couldn't remember at the time in the beginning of the movie, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, well, I don't I, I don't have no idea. Yeah. But that's also a hilarious joke on like trying to target the fact that like nationality and like and that like we I would say some people at least like get so wound up about like oh well you know this is the way this is where we came from and yet like in this day and age that means nothing like we are a nation of people that completely look different and so therefore like what you look like is not who you were i mean what's his name movie just came under a lot of scrutiny uh, aloha this, yes aloha for emma stone's character being asian american yeah and it was funny because everybody started to attack that aspect without realizing that that's actually a very real thing that can happen she could be white and have asian parents if she was either adopted or if one of her parents were asian so like the fact that we still to this she day could even have at this point like have grand or great grandparents who were eight and she's only 
a quarter or an eighth Asian American. So yeah. you, you, you possibly couldn't even know. I, I can yeah. totally see that argument, but at the same time, I can also see the other side of that argument where it's just kind of like uh, endemic of, of the whitewashing of like, which Hollywood. I agree. But what are you whitewashing if you're, if it's an original story yeah. per se, like I'm just saying as far as how can you like, and I'm with you because I'm all for like things like Marvel trying to, you know, branch diversify, out, give us some more people that aren't just white or whatever. Yeah. But like, I'm just saying it's hard to actually pinpoint when somebody does an original story, especially when it's something like Aloha, which I haven't seen, but according to everybody else, like that's the least of its problems. Right. So it's kind of like, what would a, if you want to call it like an Asian person actually make that movie any better when the movie already sucks. So yeah, it's just one of those little things where like, that's actually something that can happen. Uh, Every day, and that's what makes this whole like nationality and pride in your nation not meaningless. I would say, but like so, kind of like a fool's errand to say that you know we all have to look the same. There are real people who who exist that come from those kinds of backgrounds, but they yeah. they have light skin and they look very Caucasian. Yeah. So I I guess we will will go to ratings now. I think we're we've we've hit on a lot of good things about uh, Starship Troopers and. Some of the things we've liked, some of the things some of us didn't necessarily love as much. So let's get our final thoughts, and uh, let's start with the uh, the first person, Nicholas, who I assume will be giving us a pretty good rating. I will just go right out and say this is a five-star film for Holy me. Holy shit, is man. A, I consider wow. this to be a masterpiece. However, I want to say this. It's it's one of those that it's an accidental masterpiece, but that doesn't make it any less uh, amazing in my opinion. And just to really quickly, because I've already said what I thought about generally about this movie, I'm just going to really quickly name one or two things that I forgot to mention. One thing I love during the propaganda video, um, one of the shots, you see a dog impaled by the debris, like bleeding out. Like that is just one of the most hilarious. Oh, uh, yeah. And like, I'm just like, if you can't see that the movie is just, you know, a parody at that point, then uh, God help your soul. Um, and also my favorite line, I got to say is uh, during another, of course, it always comes back to the propaganda video, but um, during the uh, panelist, the scientist panelist where the guy goes, frankly, I think the idea of a bug who thinks offensive, (laughs) like that is just the perfect kind of encapsulation of the way that this whole uh, movie, like the military, you know, uses violence and dehumanizes their, uh, their enemy in just a way that just cracks me up. This is honestly one of the funniest movies I've ever seen simply because it's so absurd. And yet every time I stop laughing, then I realize that why the hell am I laughing? Because this is happening everywhere. So, <laughs> so for that reason alone, I just think this is uh, a fantastic movie and I've already said as much as I can. So I'll pass it on. Yeah. Already Tucson. I share the majority of those sentiments. I think that this is definitely a sci-fi classic, an accidental sci-fi classic, definitely. Um, and I, and, I, and it's not something that I, I would have said on its face when I had first seen it, or even when I had rewatched it, but the more that I've like thought about it, the more that it grows on me. And this, th- this is definitely one of the best satirical sci-fi films I've watched in a, in a very long time. I'm going to have to give it a four out of five. I love this film and you should definitely go see it. Alrighty, Kenny. Um, yeah, I'm not quite as high up on it as you guys. Like I said, I'm probably more along Alex's wavelength, although I feel like maybe mine will be slightly higher. But that's a lot of just reminiscing and kind of nostalgia kind of stuff for me. Um, I I would go ahead and give it a three and a half out of five. It's just kind of an average film. It's very entertaining. Um, I, I love the world that they bring you to. 
And and I also like Paul Verhoeven's kind of nod to Star Wars and and Zulu, like I like I was talking about earlier. So that that stuff was cool to me. I don't I don't even though I acknowledge the political stuff, I don't really I don't buy into it that much. I mean, I, it's not that I don't buy into it. It's it's obvious that it's yeah. there and it's there for a reason. But I just it, like I don't. It's put, not as gratifying, watching right? It, I yeah. don't put as much stock into it as, as maybe you guys do. But um, just as a whole, as a as a good war film that I used to watch when I was a kid and enjoyed back then, I definitely enjoyed it even a little more now than I even did back then. So yeah, I'd say a three and a half. I would recommend it to go. Yeah, see for anybody. Well, not go see. Rent it. It's a, go you're not going to go to the theater. Yeah. I mean, if it was playing in the theater, I'd go check it out. That'd be, would that would too, be awesome, actually. actually, to go see this. I would do that. So. Yeah, we'll see if uh, that is one of the uh, classic movies at one that. of our local uh, movie places we go Honestly, to. Honestly, now that I'm thinking about it, that would be fucking sweet. Paramount does like 50 a year, so maybe next year. I'll recommend yeah, we'll that to Paramount if I could. Yeah. Let's just bombard them with emails. There maybe we, we can... <laughs> we can talk them into it. Would you like to know more? Ah, oh, there you go. <laughs> Um, as I think I, I've stated somewhat clearly, I'm probably the lowest out of everybody, even though I do enjoy a lot of parts of this movie and I do enjoy, uh, the propaganda filled themes of this movie, which I wouldn't have picked up on as a 12 year old watching this, but I definitely pick up on now still if for me, uh, as a film sitting down and watching it, I just don't get as much enjoyment out of this as I do a lot of other films. So for me, it's just not a, a perfect movie. I do want to mention two things about this uh, the, the propaganda of this film that I, I definitely do think are, are two of the best things about it. Um, the first being that administrative punishment uh, in this film is lashes in front of the entire <laughs> squadron. Yes. Uh, holy shit! What what is that? I, because I, it's everything comes back to as violence as no, 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 no. I I, I know oh. I know what it is. I I, 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 I you were asking. No, I know what it is, but I'm, yes. just, I'm just saying this is this is like I'm, yes. I'm thinking about like doing something poorly at work. He, he, yeah, I know it's different because it's military, but I'm I'm thinking about you get your ass kicked in front of the entire office. I, I'm I'm thinking about a, a chew out session over an email from somebody at work, and no, here we we tie you up, and all fours are tied up. By the way, he's got all of his limbs tied up, and he gets <laughs> what ten or twelve la- like. Hard lashings right. too, which is unheard of nowadays. Obviously, nobody gets lashed well, anymore. But I it was would, also I would hope not. Well, <laughs> but it was also a, a, a black dude doing it to him, well, which yeah. is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, I I think Nick just mentioned that if you get at least this film at least tries to get a little bit past race, and it's just a black guy being like, "You motherfucker!" <laughs> it was. I, I don't know. It wasn't just me. Uh, my wife also okay. took note of it. I, so. And I, I could. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm. My feelings are more along with what Nick is saying. It's just he just happened to be the guy. But maybe yeah. you know, there's well, something about hey, it. Yeah, I, say, I think this film treats race the same way it does gender, which is everybody's interchangeable. Yeah. As long as you're doing your part and you're just meat for the grinder. And that black guy was doing his part. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying it was a bad, like. It yeah, very yeah. much could have been just trying to make a point. Yeah. Like like everything else in this movie. Yeah. Uh, the the other thing that I definitely wanted to mention uh, and Nick hit on a little bit earlier is that the the reward of being a citizen, just just saying you are a citizen of the world, really only comes from being in the military. I, I think is interesting. It, it and this is a very different universe, and and I want to say that for sure because I feel like there's a weird stigma, and there has been pretty much since Vietnam in the U- United States where. Being in the military for a lot of people is almost looked down upon. 
Uh, and I feel like in this film, it shows a complete opposite of that, where you cannot be thought of as a upstanding citizen unless you have military service, which although it, it does propaganda for future things that happen, I feel like that at least part of it is a, a huge throwback to world war two, uh, in the United yep. States where people who were not able to serve, like felt embarrassed. Like they right. wanted to, they, uh, they, they, they wanted to like, I, mean, look I at, want you. And yeah. And lo- look at the entire storyline, even though it's a fictional film of, of the first captain America, where Steve Rogers, basically had 40 reasons why he couldn't be in the military and he kept going back because he wanted to serve. Uh, And I think in today's day and age, uh, there, there is a weird and it's not the same climate. No, it's a weird stigma that people have. Some people let's put it that way about being in the military. Uh, I mean, I, I think people who decide and, and that's the whole thing is today, at least, you know, in, in our society we live in, it's a decision for some people, at least it's, put up as a decision no one's forcing them let's put it that way in in terms of a like a government forcing them right but people decide or people make a decision because going to college which you mentioned earlier to be in the military uh and those people are you know they do things that are some people you know talk about in a bad light but they also do a lot of things that I don't want to do and they actually do things that are really majorly important for you know the country and they have for for you know ever and ever even back to the draft times back in the Vietnam days and whatever what what I'm trying to say though is that this is such a different world from the world we live in even though it is a lot of the same kind of things happening it's a different universe and it it's uh you know just the 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 idea of to just be a civilian and you know that term that we 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 throw around i think is a, just a civilian which in you if you hear he, watch military films and see military things happening they talk about people who aren't in the military as being civilians and you cannot be a civilian right in the world of starship troopers unless you have served in the military and served your part so that's the one thing you i want to be a citizen yeah a citizen yeah oh i'm sorry i'm okay. I mean, no, I but, totally I, but I totally got what you. But you're I know saying. what you yeah. mean. Yes, you can't. You can't be a yes, citizen, citizen unless you but have military. Civilian service. itself, yes, I agree with what you're saying. It is a military word to mean yeah. anybody who's not in the actual conflict, <laughs> which, which is is total opposite from what I was saying a minute earlier, right, right, which, right. which I had had the words mixed up. But yeah, just just to be a citizen, just to be a citizen in the world, you need to. Yeah be in military he service literally so. likens voting as some kind of violent force yeah and therefore like that's why you if you're going to be in the army then of course that's you can vote too because they're both some kind of expression of violence which makes no sense <laughs> to, to, to to me to and you. hopefully to a normal society but <laughs> uh, yeah yeah so that that's the one part i definitely wanted to uh, to mention that i didn't get to that i uh just thought that was that was a a, a telling part of this movie that was that's crazy but also like you know, blows my mind and to even think about that is nuts. So two and a half for me, um, not a huge fan of this movie, but I, I do enjoy watching it somewhat, especially for the propaganda themes and whatever, but I wouldn't pick this movie out normal days to watch. I, it doesn't do that much for me. So uh, two and a half for me. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm going to give it. Sounds good. So next week uh, we're going to go back to a, another new release I know one person uh, on this show who's very excited and has been Fuck excited yeah, I am. for a while. Yes. Eve, c- could I even venture to say even 
as, if not more excited than Mad Max uh, for the uh, Jurassic World film that's coming well, out. Well, here's week. the thing. <laughs> Going into the start of the year, it would have been a no-brainer. Jurassic Park's one of my favorite movies ever, and I was beyond excited. Unfortunately, now I'm getting a little nervous. Like the you should more, be. The you more should I be see about it, the more I'm like worrying about it and whatnot. But I, I'm still pumped for it. Mad Max was just such a good movie that now I, I don't know that Jurassic World can live up to it. So. It can't. I wouldn't plan on uh, thinking it's going to be better than Mad Max. I'm, I'm not, but I'm very <laughs> excited to see a continuation of one of my favorite franchises. Yeah. So, And I could totally understand that. There I, may very well be as much popcorn consumed during this movie as there was for me for a different with, reason with mad max yeah <laughs> for me at least i'm on the total opposite <laughs> well, spectrum you can go get my refills oh okay there you, <laughs> hey there you go i'm on the total opposite spectrum everything i've seen uh, and heard about this movie makes it sound like it's going to be a huge dud to me but we will see and uh, we will talk about it at length on our next episode we're going to do kind of like we did with the avengers episode where we're going to go see this film and record an episode right away and uh, get it out right at, right as the day that this film is officially released on Friday the 12th, I believe that is, of June. So cool. look forward to that and uh, look forward to other episodes that we'll tell you more about uh, in the coming weeks. So uh, thank you very much to listening to this episode of uh, Film Tank. You can obviously find us on FilmTankShow.com. Also uh, on iTunes. Uh, also you can... Uh, rate and review the show on iTunes, which we would love it if you did and get us a little higher on the rankings. That would be nice. That would be good. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show, and uh, you can email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. If you have some views on anything we've said or what you think about Starship Troopers, that'd be awesome, and uh, what you think about the upcoming Jurassic World movie, we'd love to hear what you're going to think about it as well. So, from Kenny Marcellus, Toussaint Egan, Nick Cheney, and myself, Alex Diekman, thank you very much for listening to uh, episode 16 of Film Tank. We will catch up with you next time.